Hello, welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. That whatever I think is bad, God often means for good. And I think sometimes we process disappointment without worship. And when you worship well, you're in the midst of disappointment and your hands are raised. And I'm going to worship Have you me. ever thought that because your best laid plans have gone to waste, you're living plan B? There are some valuable lessons to be learned from the life of a man whose own plans definitely went west early on in his life. Let's join Dr. Corbett tonight for leadership lessons from the life of Joseph. And so we're going to have a look at Joseph, what God did in the life of Joseph. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you now to speak that, Lord, as you look into every heart, I pray, Lord, that you would use this preacher to speak things. And as you speak into the deep recesses of people's hearts, I pray, bless those who are in need and speak. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please come with me to Genesis 37. This is Genesis 37. It's the, so we're going to look at the story of Joseph, looking at the life of Joseph, Joseph the dreamer, someone that uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber certainly likes. This, this fellow has made Andrew Lloyd Webber millions of dollars in his stage production, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. And uh, this, th this is an intriguing character in the Bible. Intriguing for several reasons, and I'll, I hope to show you why. Genesis 37 is really where the story of Genesis completely switches to Joseph. And from Genesis 37, taking out Genesis 38, everything from that point on is about Joseph. Now, this is intriguing. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, we're going to go through his story in, in just a moment. So this is the story of Joseph, the son of Jacob. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And we're going to see some, I think, some intriguing things about what God did in this man's life. When we ask the question, what is a leader, which we asked yesterday in one of our training sessions, we got some interesting ideas back, which were all good. A leader, if, you, if, you, if I was to ask you that question, what is a leader? We would perhaps use words like someone who carries responsibility, someone who makes decisions, someone who is responsible for those that follow them, someone who has influence over other people. A leader is someone who has a, a vision, a, a big picture of what their area of responsibility should look like and then they take measures and steps to implement that vision. So that's some of the aspects of what a leader does and we're going to see clearly here that Joseph was a leader. In fact, the fact that a third of the book of Genesis is dedicated to this character and so we call that the weight of Scripture. When Scripture weights a, a person or a topic, it's usually for an important reason. So Joseph is a very important character. The story of Joseph really kicks off apart from his birth in, what is it, chapter 30 and verse 24 or so, where it just mentions that he was born in verse 24, it, uh, reading from verse 23 or 22, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach or my shame. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. So the word Joseph, the name Joseph, 
actually means to add. May God add. May God use this person to add. So Joseph is someone who adds value. So if your name is Joseph, you have an honourable name. You are somebody who is named as somebody who adds value to whatever you put your hand to. You may be aware that Rachel was considered barren. She was con- it was considered that she could not have children. And so when God gave her a, a child, this was for her the blessing of God. God was adding to her blessing. And God can do that. We've heard some of those examples this morning, how God adds blessing to people's lives. We're in Genesis 37. We're going to survey this chapter as we look at Joseph's life. It says this, Jacob lived in the land of his father's uh, sojournings in the land of Canaan. Verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, I want you to note that, 17 years old, was pasturing the flock of his brothers, uh, with his brothers, sorry. He was a boy uh, with, the, uh, with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colours. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So there's the, the setup. There's the backdrop to the story of Joseph. Joseph is the son of his father who was an old man when uh, he sired Joseph. And he showed favouritism to his son. And it's an interesting story. And it's a point that I would like to emphasise, but I'll just make reference to because it's just not in the context of what we're looking at today. When Jacob married Rachel, he woke up that morning beside who? Leah which was a bit of a surprise to him, as it would be to any bloke who thinks he's married someone and wakes up in his marriage bed next to somebody who's not the one he thought he married. Uh, It would certainly surprise me. And it did to Jacob as well. The interesting thing is that he showed no love to Leah. And he, when he protested to the father of Rachel and Leah, why, when we agreed that I would marry Rachel... Did, I, did you give me Leah, who obviously, well, obviously was veiled and, uh, and there's probably a little bit of alcohol blindness involved somewhere in the story there that you know, the Bible kind of omits, that Jacob was then told by Laban, it's not the done thing for the younger daughter to marry before the older daughter, which from my perspective, that would have been nice to know. Just, you know, just, just, I'm just one of those old-fashioned kind of polygamists. I like to know these sorts of things. So, actually, I'm not a polygamist, but anyway, I just thought that sounded funny. It sounded funny in my head. But anyway, so here's, here's Jacob saying, but I love Rachel. And Laban says, well, if you want to marry her as well, you just have to serve me another seven years. And so he does. He serves Laban another seven years and then is given Rachel as his wife. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
And this is just the thought. I actually think it was God's will, God's intention for Jacob to marry Leah. I've got a couple of reasons for that. If you look at the wives that Jacob ended up taking, he ended up taking four wives, actually. Leah had the most children. Leah was the one that gave birth to Judah. And what's so special about Judah? He's the one from whom Jesus would come. It's just a thought. And it's a thought that I'll, I'll actually develop it a little bit later with the life of Joseph. That sometimes we get these major setbacks in life and it's not what we want at the time, but God actually has a really good reason for it and the more you fight God's reasons for it, the more you can tend to, the Greek word is stoof, up your life. So here we are, now verse 5. It's actually not a Greek word. I was just maybe having a bit of fun with you. So, Verse 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamt. Verse 7. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Verse 8. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So I mentioned in passing that Jacob at least married Leah and Rachel and then when there was a bit of contest going on here and Rachel was barren, she said, look, take my maid, uh, Bilhah, and she can be my womb. Marry her and whatever children she has will be as good as me giving birth to them. So he does. He, he takes Bilhah, Rachel's maid, and has children by her. Leah, who thinks, thinks she's past the age of bearing children, says, we'll take my maid, Zilpa, and have children with her. Now, you know, I could go down a whole thing about, but I'm not going there. So here's Jacob. He goes, okay. So he takes now his fourth wife and eventually ends up with something like 12 children. And in his old age... Rachel actually does give birth and she dies giving birth to her second child, the, young, the brother of Joseph. And what was his name? Benjamin. So Benjamin was the youngest son. Benjamin was Joseph's favourite brother, closest in age. And so Joseph's older brothers would have been 20, 30 perhaps, even older. The age gap would have been quite pronounced. So you can imagine... Here's a 47-year-old brother looking at a 17-year-old brother and the 17-year-old brother says, you're going to bow down and serve me. That goes down really, really well with 47-year-old brothers when 17-year-old brothers talk to them like that. Not. And that's what the Bible says was happening here as well. They thought he was a precocious brat. And so this is the backdrop to the life of Joseph. Now, I've heard people say... Well, Joseph was dumb for sharing the dreams. What we're going to see is that it was actually God's plan to use, if it was, 
Joseph's dumbness. It was actually God's plan that Joseph was just being Joseph. And God just used that in the plan. Now this is, I think, a profound point for all leaders because sometimes we look back at our past mistakes and we go, ah, oh, man, if only I hadn't, I wouldn't be here now. And you just sit on the ground and you do nothing. When in fact, Joseph shared this. It may have been a mistake, but it was a mistake that God was able to integrate into Joseph's life. So here I draw great encouragement from this because I'm someone given to making the odd mistake or two or more. And because of someone, and, and, I, and I used to, before I kind of got this, and I'm still trying to really get this, but I used to beat myself up senseless when I made a mistake. Like just mercilessly beat myself up. And... I'm now coming to realise that God is so much bigger than any mistake I've made. And no matter how bad I've messed things up, God is still able to weave in even my, my failings and my mistakes and even my sin and somehow use it for his glory. And he's able to, here's this beautiful word, redeem it. He's able to redeem it. That is, make good from it. So we, we come down now to verse 9. And then he dreamed or dreamt another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I've dreamt another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamt? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, uh, which is probably a mild way of putting it. But his father kept these sayings in mind. Now, you may know the rest of the story will I'll kind of summarise it a bit. One day, Joseph is sent by his father, go and inspect your brothers who are out looking after the sheep. He goes there, you know the story. They see Joseph coming. They say, here comes the dreamer. Dad can't see us. Let's knock the snot out of him. And someone says, no, 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 just throw him in a pit. I think that was Reuben. said, just, just, don't, just, just throw him in a pit. Let's just teach him a lesson. And... The result was that they did what Reuben, the oldest brother, said and Reuben went away and then a caravan of Midianite traders went past who were slave traders. And if you've seen uh, that wonderful movie Gladiator, which uh, is one of my favourite movies, uh, there's, that, there's that caravan which of camels and so on, carting the slaves to North Africa. And so it was that kind of thing. This was a, a caravan of slave traders with camels and all the rest of it going to North Africa. And they sell Joseph to these Midianite slave traders who take him down to Egypt. And so in, in Egypt, if you'll come with me now to Chapter 39, we'll pick up the story here. We now have Joseph in Egypt. How old is he? He's 17. We've been told that in the text, right? So Joseph is 17 years of age. So he's a 17-year-old young man. 
He's bought by Potiphar. And this is how it renders that. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites. By the way, Ishmaelites, some, some atheists go, look at that, the Bible can't even be consistent. Was it Midianites? Was it Ishmaelites? It's like saying there was a group of Tasmanians that the brothers sold Joseph to. And then later on it says, and these Australians sold Joseph to Potiphar. Do you see? No, no one see that? that that's, that's Ishmaelite and Midianite. So, so verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he... Now notice that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. What happens when the Lord is with you? What happens when God is on your side? Notice what it looked like for this young man, Joseph. I think it's a good prayer to pray for our children. God be with my children. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Wow. So we read in verse 5, From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So, verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's charge because he had had no concern for anything but the food that he ate. Now, if you're going to be concerned, that's a, that's a nice way to live, isn't it? You know, what's, what's my next meal? If that's the biggest concern you've got, you have got a pretty good life. And that was the result of God being on Joseph. God being with Joseph. So it's an important point here. Here's a young man who's had two significant dreams that we know of. We don't, we're not told the others. Two dreams and his brothers identify him as a dreamer. So chances are there was probably more than two. So he's known from a young age, as someone who's having these kind of really weird dreams. And we know, looking back at it, that the dreams were actually from God. So this young man is receiving something from God. He's getting a glimpse of destiny. He's getting a glimpse that he's on this planet, not just to breathe, not just to eat, not just to drink, not just to work, not just to live, be born, work, save, Marry, have children and die. No, he's got a destiny beyond that and he's aware of it by glimpse. Do you have a sense of that, young man here today? Do you have a sense of that? God has got you on this planet for far more than just an ordinary life. And Joseph was aware of it. And because he was aware of it, he did something about it. I said before that I believe that when God saves someone, it's totally his work. It's monogism it's it's the work of one but when we come to god we offer up our lives and according to second peter chapter one we add to our faith the first thing it says is virtue and that's an old word that means excellence we add to whatever we do for god a sense of 
excellence. In other words, we give God the best we can give. Someone has put it this way. Your life is God's gift to you. What you do with your life is your gift to God. And Joseph was somebody who applied himself to that. He would have learnt how to be diligent. He would have learnt how to follow up. He would have learnt that when followers go to sleep, leaders stay awake. He would have learnt that when followers sleep in, leaders get up early. He would have learnt that followers do what they're required, leaders do the extra. He would have learnt that. He would have learnt that if the employer says start at nine, you start a little bit before that. If the employer says knock off at five, you go a little bit beyond that. Joseph had that kind of spirit. And because of that, the blessing of God was on him. We read in the last part of verse 6 this outstanding comment. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So his body was finely toned. And so it says in verse 7, And after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. How old is he now? Well, if he was 17 when he went into Potiphar's house, he's risen to the ranks of manager of all that Potiphar owns. That could have taken two years. So perhaps Joseph is 19. 19, probably about that age. So here's a 19-year-old man with hormones, with two perfectly good eyes, that in a boy... The eyes have a nerve that goes straight to the brain. It's a certain part of the brain that says, don't just think about it, just let it go. Just... And Joseph was like this. He was hormonally charged, 19 years of age, and let's read what happens. This is what she says, lie with me. Brother, that's up front. Verse 8, but this but looked like Joseph saying, no, I'm going to honour God. I'm going to do the right thing. What, are the, what, what, what does the world throw at you that you go, no, I'm not going there? So it, the whole story turns because Joseph did the right thing. But powerful little word, three little word, three little word, but powerful. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god isn't that an interesting way of looking at it i i I hope you find that interesting what what i'm going to see here is that joseph had an understanding that sex is not just about two bits of meat coming together he had an understanding that sex is intrinsically spiritual it's a lot more than just physical and joseph got that he understood that our body is given to us by God. God gives the gift of sex within the covenant of marriage. And Joseph knew that. He got that. He got that. He understood that. And he said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to break God's heart. Man, how do you teach a kid that? God was on him. He got it. God was on him. You notice he says, I would be sinning against God, the end of verse 9. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, He would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. So we get an indication of how she tried to seduce him and get him to compromise. Now here's the interesting thing, and and I'm kind of going to jump ahead a little bit. I said before, a third of Genesis is devoted to the story of Joseph. This is incredible. Yet Joseph is not mentioned once in the New Testament. It's one of those, huh, sort of things. 
But there's so much of the life of Joseph, without Joseph being named, that is referred to in the New Testament. For example, Paul writing to young men, he picks on, he draws on this story where we see, if you'll come with me now, because Paul says, flee, writing in, what is it, 1st or 2nd Timothy, or is it 1st Timothy 2, flee youthful lusts. And the picture is this scene here. So come with me as we look at this. We're in verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Verse 13. And as soon as she saw that, she, that, that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of her house. Verse 14. She called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garments beside me and fled and got out of the house. And she laid up his garment by, um, by her until his master came home. And she told the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master, verse 19, heard these words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant has treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph, and Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But, another but, notice that, but... The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Third time it says it. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Three times it says God was with Joseph. It really it wants us to get something. This is what we call, again, the weight of Scripture. Scripture weighs this statement more than any other statement in that chapter. God was with Joseph. And let's come, you know, just in the story, come with me back to the scene where Joseph is dreaming his dream. He gets a glimpse of his destiny. He realises he's not called to be an ordinary man. He's not called to live a life where he is born. He grows up. He works. He marries. He has children. He dies. That was not to be his story. His story was to be one where he was to leave a mark on this planet, leave a legacy for thousands of years to come. And he got a glimpse of that. And here he is working as a slave. You'd be forgiven for wondering if you were Joseph, huh, how does this fit? And we're going to see when we come to Genesis 50 verse 20 that he didn't think that at all. God was with him. And there's a sense that even in the midst of all of these setbacks, God was with him and he knew it. He knew it. Joseph goes from being a slave to being a prisoner. What's he doing while he's in prison? Because later on, we're going to be told in chapter 40 or so that Joseph was, when he was released from prison, we're jumping ahead in the story a bit, that he was 30 years of age. So how long has he been in prison? Maybe 10, 11, possibly 12 years. Let's say 10. That's a long time. That's a long time to think, hang on, I've got a glimpse of my destiny and I'm destined for greatness. 
I'm in a dungeon? How does that look? How does, how does that fit? He could have been forgiven for thinking that, but he didn't. What was he doing in prison? He was busy. You know what happens when you don't get busy? You get self-absorbed. You know what happens when you start to think about yourself all the time? I'll tell you what happens when I do it. Joseph wasn't doing that, although, gee, who, you couldn't blame him for doing it, but he didn't do it. We know he didn't do it for two reasons. Number one, it says that the prison jailer, the one in charge of the jail, entrusted the entire administration of the jail to Joseph, the prisoner. You can't get that kind of trust if you're a loafer. Joseph was active. Joseph would have been there perhaps saying, um, is there anything I can do to help you? Yeah, sure. Could you make sure? Don't I? Yep, fine. Done. And he would have applied himself. The word is diligently applied himself to this, which means he would have done way more than what he was expected to do. If you do a job, you've done what's expected. If you diligently do a job, you've done more than than was expected. And if we're to add to our faith virtue, it means the Christian should be doing their work diligently. Does that make sense? Jesus kind of said it this way, didn't he? Someone asks you to go one mile, go two. Someone asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. It's excellence. It's diligence. It's doing more than you've been asked. Your parents ask you to, to set the table. You say, well, would you like me to wash up as well? It's the age of miracles, parents. You never know. You never know. The Spirit of God could work these miracles. So here's Joseph. We know he's being diligent in prison and he's now the overseer of the prison. There's a, but there's another thing that we, we see from chapter 40 because in chapter 40, let me summarize what happens here. Two prisoners are added to the prison at this particular time. One is the baker. One is the wine servant. He's the, the, the one who serves the king's wine. And they both have dreams and, and they, they are troubled by their dreams. And Joseph says, tell me your dreams. And the baker says, well, this is my dream. And the, 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 the wine servant of the king tells his dream. And Joseph says to the wine, uh, the, the wine server, in, in a few days, you're going to be restored to the palace, back to your old job. And the baker's going, oh, this kid's awesome. Tell me what mine means. Well, you, you're going to be hung and, and the raven's going to pluck your brains out. <laughs> now, that tells me something. He wasn't just making this up. He wasn't just telling people what they wanted to hear. That takes godly courage. But also, just think about what, we've just, what has just happened here. Joseph is spiritual. He is deeply spiritual. And your spiritual muscles are just like your fleshly muscles. They turn to flab if you don't use them. And Joseph is spiritually strong. What does that tell us? He has developed his spiritual life. He's in a prison. Things aren't going well. What's he been doing? Praying intently. What's he been doing? Meditating on God. What's he been doing? Seeking God. What's he been doing? Looking to shine the love and service of God wherever he could. That is very impressive. Because all too often when things don't go my way, I pout. I sulk. And I've got to stop it. And I've got to become more like Joseph. He's developed his spiritual life. Now you know the rest of the story. From the age of 30, we, we see that after the server of wine is restored to the palace. Pharaoh dreams a dream. And this is the first of two significant kings, foreign kings, who have a dream. And in this episode, the second one is Nebuchadnezzar, but in this one, Pharaoh dreams a dream and he actually tells the dream. 
he says, this is the dream that I saw. And he saw, again, it was a twofold dream. And whenever God speaks twice, it means something. And Joseph correctly interprets the dream and is appointed on that day as prime minister of Egypt. That's remarkable because God, it says in chapter 39, three times was with him. God was with him. So who put Joseph into Potiphar's house? God. Who put Joseph into prison? God. Now, I know this is going to be a bit of a head spinner, but it says it three times. God was with him. Everything's okay. If God's with you, all is well with the world. Trust me. All is well with the world. God was with Joseph. When Joseph was raised out of the prison and put into the palace, who did it? God did it. And how do we know that? Because it actually says that in Psalm 105. And the story of Joseph is repeated in two other places in Scripture. One is Psalm 105, verses 16 to 22, where it actually says God did this. God did this. And then when Stephen is about to be stoned, Stephen refers to it again in Acts chapter 7, verses 9 to 16. So God did this. So here's just a clue about how we, as people of destiny, can view the setbacks in our life. Maybe God hasn't abandoned you. Maybe God is still with you. Maybe God is still with you. Here's Joseph in a prison. It looks pretty gloomy in a prison. It's pretty dungeon-like there. But Joseph continues to trust God. Verse 20, here it is. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. That is one of the most profound and defining verses of my life. That whatever I think is bad, God often means for good. And I think sometimes we process disappointment without worship. And when you worship well, you're in the midst of disappointment and your hands are raised. Your hands are raised in confusion. I don't get what's going on here, but I know you do. And I'm going to worship you. Just because your best laid plans have gone to waste doesn't mean your living plan B. Some valuable insights there from the life of Joseph. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Leadership Lessons from the Life of Joseph, are available from Lagana Media. You can contact us at PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277, or via the website findingtruthmatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to the monthly e-newsletter Perspectives, visit findingtruthmatters.org and click subscribe. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.